This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. I want you to know that I'm happy for you. I wish nothing but the best for you both. The perfect version of me is he perverted like me when he go down on you in a theater. So he speaks eloquently and you can have his baby. I'm sure you'd make a really excellent mother. Cause the love today that we made was an aim on the make it enough for you to be open wide. And every time you speak his name, does he know why you told me you'd be there until you die? Till you die, but you're still alive.
Kia ora, Thanks for coming along. This is Backstage with Mel and Mike. Mel I, is just I'm over Mel. there. Yeah, yeah, here I am. <laughs> and we're back for another episode. If you uh, listened last week, you would have heard Ethan Hawke. He made talk, a little appearance. Talking about stuff. He joined us personally. Yeah. <laughs> we reached out, said, hey, Ethan, come and tell us about creativity. And so, and so he, he did. did. <laughs> and if you want to hear it, you'll have to go and check out last week's episode. Yeah, which is available through all your standard podcasting platforms. We'll detail all those a bit later for you. Uh, last week's Musical of the Week was also Barnum, telling the story of Phineas Taylor Barnum, was it? Phineas Taylor, I think his name was. P.T. Barnum. Phineas Taylor. Uh, it was quite... Uh, it got adversary well mixed reactions I was talking to John O'Freeben about it yeah and he said did you really like those songs I went, yeah and he said oh and he was pretty <laughs> unimpressed yeah but his taste is all in his mouth sometimes <laughs> um, hi Jono <laughs> anyway but, yep okay well it's not going to please everybody all the time but I thought it was a very lively show with some great positives to it so there you go yeah I'm here I'm with you I'm with you I mean I think and I was talking to Kate about this, and she always has this kind of opinion because she's this kind of person. Um, but she thinks, you know, she's very much of the opinion that let's stop telling stories about people who weren't very nice. Well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Sometimes it's I don't know necessary. Either. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, what's the fun in telling just the nice stories? Yeah. Which is uh, something. Sometimes, sometimes people who did not very nice things actually have very interesting backstories. Well, and I sort of, I guess this will sort of lead us into our. Our discussion du jour. Our little discussion that I thought we could have. Well, Um, let's preface all that by saying that this week's uh, Musical of the Week is Jagged Little Pill, which you probably got a hint of if you heard the opening song to the show this week. You ought to know. You ought to Uh, know that song. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, dear. From the original Broadway cast recording of Jagged Little Pill. And, yeah, while we're discussing people who have not very... done not very nice things or not very nice people Mm. sometimes the unpalatable is something that is actually good fodder well it it is well i mean that's that's number one really isn't it good Mm. fodder entertainment that's the whole point uh but i've been discussing quote challenging content quote Mm. you know for the last little while because i mean i like challenging content but also there's quite a lot of it in and around our town and our arts community yeah and well, we have talked about it, you know, in passing, I guess. And we talk about it pretty regularly. It comes yeah. up every now and then. So, um, okay, Kate's saying that she would rather not see shows about people who are not all that nice. Well, but particu- what if the exploration of that person and the reason why they're not very nice actually teaches us something? That well, and that's how, a bit how I feel about the Greatest Showman because she sort of says the same thing about that. Oh, but they're just Hollywoodifying, and oh, and I love Kate. Don't get me wrong, and she has some very valid opinions all the time. Yeah. Um, but I think you, you there's something in that. There's something in it teaches us something. And it's not very niceness. You could also take the you know the Mel Brooks approach and lampoon somebody through uh, <laughs> you know actually you know keep making fun of them. Yeah, well, and that's it's funny you should bring up Mel Brooks because I guess my big question is, or my several questions are, is there an audience for challenging content? I would argue yes. Yes. How far is too far? Yeah, that's a big question. And who decides if the the content is actually challenging? You know, like there are plays about school shootings um, as in punk rock and bang bang you're dead mm. um, there are plays about police brutality and child murders the pillow man gay and sexual themes rent and angels in america child 
youth awakening abuse slash rape um, Spring Awakening Anahedo which is a New Zealand written play you mentioned Mel Brooks the producers literally features a song called Springtime for Hitler yeah and Mel Brooks has always made a point of lampooning uh, Nazism and fascism every time he, he gets an opportunity because he hates it so much he's got to make fun of it all the time and by making fun of it he keeps making us aware that it happened and keeps us you know very much aware of the absurdity of that mm. I support that actually as an idea. Um, the musical Heather's features a lot of that stuff as well. Yeah, basically all of the recently. above. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> tick yeah. every box. <laughs> yeah. You ask who's going to be the arbiter, who's going to say this is good taste, that's not, or this is uh, challenging, or that's not. That comes, I think, from the shifting goalpost that is society, that you know, things change over time. Sometimes things that were once challenging become passe or the mm, norm yeah i suppose you're not wrong i guess i ask because i i know of um, a venue that has turned down doing that play with a lot of challenging content and i just wonder what it is that makes one play's challenging content more acceptable than another's well particularly if that content has been successfully mounted in other places you've got to ask well where does the right to say that can't be done here Sit. Yeah, well, and I suppose it sits with the venue, doesn't it? Um, the people who are taking on the risk. I guess. The organisation that's taking on the risk, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. But just as things that may be challenging one day may not be the next, uh, things that were once considered the norm can suddenly become very challenging too. And we've talked about that before. What, you know, what used to be considered normal, mm. in quotes, uh, 50 years ago, yeah. nowadays may be very challenging indeed if you try to mount something that has similar sort of feel to it. There's something to be said for something uh, maybe having passed its time. Yeah. Um, but outdated. So maybe the the challenging things you're talking about are the things that have, are yet to have their time. Well, and and I, that's what makes them unsettling. And I mean, well, yes, you're not wrong. It's subjective. It's all subjective, isn't it? Totally. One person's acceptable is another person's unacceptable. So is it important for playwrights and, and composers and people like that to keep putting this stuff out there and saying, well, here's something else. You may not like it, but I'm doing it, and here it is. So... You know, what do you think? Well, I think we can look to professional communities, especially within theatre and the arts, to sort of, as I mean, they we know that they pave the way for what is acceptable and what's not, and there, I I argue that there's an audience for anything. You just got to work hard enough to find it. I tend to agree. Uh, perhaps in the community theatre environment, we're not always blessed with enough scope to be able to realize that mm. but uh, as much as we sometimes deride things like broadway and the great professional theater scene in the united states and the uk as being largely about getting bums on seats and paying back the investors mm. they still have uh, broken new ground in many many cases both totally. with musicals and with plays and done stuff that has been really challenging really broken down some barriers and and encouraged uh, encouraged a bit of a dialogue or more awareness on subjects that in the past have been a little bit too confronting. Um, so I think in that regard, uh, theatre, the arts, still doing what it should. Well, that's the point of it. I guess, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, you're right. I mean, I, I, I am attracted to performance theatre that does make people walk out thinking we've talked, you know, you've heard me say that many times. Mm. I love a play that makes me think. I love a musical that actually has a bit of oomph behind it, and makes you walk out of the theatre going, wow, I didn't really know about this before. Well, and that's not to say that comedy can't do that. Oh, absolutely. Know, because the, the producer's case in point. Exactly, because yeah. I think there's um, a bit of a misconception that to have theatre that means something, it must be dark and depressing. And very worthy. Yeah, and it's that's just not the case. Comedy yeah. can, and, and feeling those those up feelings, can do the same thing. Actually, that can be very subversive in that's doing right. that too. You can walk out thinking, oh, that was a lot of fun. Oh, hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, look at what it was talking about. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, long, long may it keep doing that. Well, and that's why we keep having these discussions, because it's interesting fodder. And it's important, to, as you say, keep having those discussions and keep reassessing where we sit with it all. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about this again. I'm sure, yeah, we definitely <laughs> will.
You live, you learn, jagged little pill. Our musical of the week this week, and you are backstage with Mel and Mike on Free FM 89.0. And since we're on the subject, Mel, we've been talking about all this. Why don't you take head us down that path of the musical of the week now? Because we'll get that out of the way, because this is very much about that kind of uncomfortable stuff, isn't it? Tell us what you got. All right, I will tell you everything I have. In November of 2013, it was revealed that a musical version of the album Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette was being adapted for the stage with composer Tom Kitt attached to the arrange the orchestrations. Four years later, in May of 2017, it was announced that the musical would receive its world premiere in May of 2018, 23 years after the original album was released. Jagged Little Pill is a team effort with book by Diablo Cody, music and lyrics by Alanis Morissette and Glenn Ballard, with orchestration by Tom Kitt, who, just uh, to fill you in, has worked on the likes of Theatre Projects, Next to Normal, Bring It On, If Then, 13, American Idiot and SpongeBob SquarePants, and film projects um, High Fidelity, Penny Dreadful, which is a TV series or a, a streaming series, and Pitch Perfect, to name just a few. Wow. So he's he's big in the world of that. That's an amazing creative team, isn't it? And uh, Alana Smarset, right in the mix? Right in the mix. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you all the dates. In addition to music from the show's namesake album, Jagged Little Pill, also features other songs from Morissette's catalogue, including Thank You, That I Would Be Good and So Pure from 1998's supposed former infatuation junkie, So Sexy and Hands Clean from 2002's Under Rug Swept, Unprodigal Daughter from 2002's Feast on Scraps, No from the Japanese edition of 2012's Havoc and Bright Lights, and Uninvited from the soundtrack of the 1998 film City of Angels. (gasps) Did you catch all that? (laughs) I did. Morissette also wrote two new songs for the musical Smiling and Predator, with the former being included as the second single from her ninth studio album Such Pretty Forks in the Road. So the show centres around the Healy family, MJ and Steve and their teenage children, Frankie and Nick. The Healys appear to be the picture-perfect family in their competitive Connecticut suburban neighbourhood, yet pictures can be deceiving. Despite her efforts to keep up appearances, MJ battles a growing addiction to opiates following a car accident and battles with trauma in her past that she has not yet come to terms with. Steve watches his wife become increasingly withdrawn and distant from him without knowing why. Meanwhile, their children are battling challenges of their own. Frankie is determined to find her own voice and discover her sexuality, while Nick must balance the pressure of his parents to do well against exposing his own faults in order to make sure justice is served. Exploring a range of sensitive issues, including rape, sexuality, addiction, racism, Jagged Little Pill presents a vivid, messy and chaotic portrayal of a modern-day family who deal with their pain and try to heal. That sounds great. does sound great, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, I'm right into it. For its first uh, for its first onstage outing, Jagged Little Pill ran from May 5th to July 15th, 2018 at the Lowib Drama Centre with the American Repertory Theatre in Cambridge, Massachusetts. That cast included Elizabeth Stanley as Mary Jane, Derek Kleiner as Nick, Lauren Patton as Joe, Sean Allen Krill as Steve, Celia Rose Gooding as Frankie, and Antonio Cipriano as Phoenix. And I'm pretty sure that is the cast we're listening to today. Yep. In November of 2019, it began previews at the Broadhurst Theatre and opened on December 5th of 2019. The production went into hiatus when all the Broadway theatres closed due to COVID-19 in 2020. 
Then it reopened at the Broadhurst Theatre in October of 2021, and in December the same year, multiple performances of Jagged Little Pill were cancelled due to COVID-19 issues within the show's cast and crew, and eventually it was announced that the production would not reopen, citing the need to prioritise the health and safety of the cast and crew and entire team, thereby retroactively making December 17th, 2021 its final show after 36 previews and 171 performances. Sounds like if they gave it a real crack though tried really hard to keep it going i think honestly i think it was a case of bad timing yeah i think it just wasn't the time to be and little did they know in 2019 um it was a bit just a bad time to be oh of course even trying to get it open again in 2021 october 2021 uh, you know three or four months too soon yeah that's right if they'd waited a little bit maybe after new year for this year they could have got away with it maybe Yeah, yeah yeah An Australian production opened at the Sydney's Theatre Royal in December of 21 and moved on to Melbourne's Comedy Theatre in January of 22. The London production of Jagged Little Pill is scheduled to open in November of this year and includes several crew members who worked on the Broadway production, including the director Diane Paulus. Mm -hmm. The New York Times called the Cambridge production passionate, dramatically compelling and big-hearted. Jagged Little Pill breaks the jukebox musical mould and takes on the good work we are always asking new musicals to do, the work of singing about real things. Oh, what a great comment. Yeah, right? In a New York Times feature story published in May of 2018, the show's story steeped in hot-button issues like opiate addiction, gender identity and sexual assault was described as being very much of the present and may just be the most awoke musical since Hair. Jeepers. Another great one. Yeah. The Broadway production of Jagged Little Pill also opened to positive reviews. The New York Times described it as redemptive, rousing, and real. Jagged Little Pill stands alongside the original musicals that have been sustaining the best hopes of Broadway. See, audience, I mean, audiences, but critics as well, really love the idea that a musical can be challenging and can be groundbreaking, and, you know, to use another cliche, uh, but tackling issues that people really want to know about and really want to talk about. Why? I don't think people should feel shy about... Yeah, anyway. As you said at the outset, though, the audiences are there. They will go and see it. They will. Mm. And this is kind of case in point. Anywho, I mean, you you kind of get the point of the reviews. Rolling Stone awarded the production four out of five stars, writing that although the show feels overly woke at times and wears its earnestness on its sleeve, Jagged Little Pill burns with passion and enthusiastic beauty. Actually, similar sort of comments came out when Jagged Little Pill, the LP, uh, the album, yeah. uh, was released by Alanis Morissette way back. They all said, you know, she's writing about all these really earnest and gut-wrenching things, you know. Give us a break, Alanis, you know, write something nice and cheery. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. she was writing about some very real stuff. At a time when people really weren't. And it's no wonder that it's provided the inspiration to do this. It's it's no wonder. Um, do you, I, just secret little fact, Alanis Morissette was one of my first cassette tapes. I was about 12 and <laughs> oh, my gosh. dad let me pick out four cassette tapes out of the bargain bin at the warehouse and... I don't know who any of these people were, but Alanis Morissette, Michael Jackson's bad. Yeah, but with Alanis, what was it that attracted? Was it her um, her subject matter? Just the, her? Oh no, I was twelve. I had literally no idea. It was her the pretty <laughs> cover of the of the cassette tape. Um, anywho, to tie it up all with a neat little bow, Jagged Little Pill was nominated for fifteen Tony Awards in twenty twenty. Heck. 
winning two for best book and best performance by a featured actress. Gee, 15 noms. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> Must be all right. And while we're still talking about Jagged Little Pill, I just want to share some audio from the Jagged Little Pill YouTube channel. It's a video titled Wake Up why social responsibility in theatre matters. It's a discussion between director Diane Paulus, book writer Diablo Cody, cast members Catherine Gallagher and Lauren Patton, a representative from the Impact Board of Advisors and the NYC Commission on, Commissioner on Human Rights, Carmel and Malalis, around how the creators and the performers have handled the show's sensitive and potentially triggering content. There's so many nuances to it and, and so many pieces to it. And we were very deliberate in how we wanted to address that in terms of bystander effect with Nick and Bella's trauma. Survivors want to be heard and they want to be believed. Not every survivor wants to report. Most don't. You know, that's up to each survivor and their journey. But at the end of the day, people want to know that when they say what happened, that they're going to be met with respect and dignity and that they're going to be heard. What was so beautiful about the play is that it really highlighted as why is it that when Nick says it, people listen? Well, this is all part of the problem. That collective socialization of man and manhood that's built on a male-dominated society, sexism and patriarchy. cis people aren't expected to articulate and explain themselves all the time and I think queer people are and um, I was really excited to see the character that was representing that part of queer experience. There's no monolithic experience for people in terms of gender and sexuality. You can't say this is the right way to present this issue. There is no right way. Even though I know that I can't be, I can't be perfect in how I convey a character's experience, I can at least have the the knowledge of knowing that I was as informed as I could be and as sensitive as I could be. There is no generalized definitive answers when it comes to gender. That's part of the beauty of gender, right? That, um, that there's many different ways of expressing it. There's many different ways uh, of talking about it. It's been an amazing experience uh, to work on this particular project because it's the first time that I've been on a large scale project like this where there was a commitment to talk in incredibly nuanced ways about uh, gender expression. Where Frankie navigates from is this point of like, what is so, what was so special about me that you could choose me then? But now as I grow and I adopt more personality traits that do not reflect you and what you yes. prefer. Why aren't you choosing me now? The media has so long convoluted our stories to ways that felt like we were being gaslit. Like, it just didn't make, and so for Jagged Little Pill to reach out and be like, we want to do this right. We want to get it right. I have all these youth who I want to bring to the show because they will be able for like the first time to be like, I see myself represented up there. I won't give any spoilers, but um, it goes along with the song Uninvited by Alanis. And um, 
it's a really powerful scene in the way that it's staged. And I've had a number of people say like, that is what addiction feels like. Without words, but just hearing the lyrics um, and watching that struggle was so powerful. I'll admit it was hard too, but it was beautifully done. Um, it was tastefully done. And for me, as someone that's lost somebody, it honored that pain. And I felt like, I felt like the emotion of it might help people that haven't had this happen to someone they love, maybe have more compassion. And to be honest, that discussion kind of sums up how I feel about showing and or seeing challenging content on stage, why we shouldn't be shying away from it, um, or deciding there's no audience for difficult content. We should be embracing difficult discussions and facilitating them safely as artists and presenters of art. Some people don't want to talk about it, and, and that's totally okay, but some people really do. The other thing that just occurred to me with all of this is that if you see something like this, like Jagged Little Pill or Pillow Man or whatever the case may be, mm. sometimes that is inspiration for somebody to actually tell their own story. Totally. Whether it comes out via a, you know just a memoir or a novel or another play or something, if you've opened the door for somebody else to be brave enough to actually you know, bear their soul and talk about some uncomfortable stuff. Heck, it's worth it, isn't it? I yes. isn't that, isn't that great for mental health for New Zealand if we start doing that kind of thing uh, and allowing us to tell our stories, however uncomfortable they may be. Yep, yes. I'm all in favour of that. Me too. So that is all you have to say about that, then. That is abs- Yeah, I guess that is all I have. I mean, I'm sure it'll come up again, but for now, I'm going to put a record on. I'm poor but I'm kind I'm short but I'm healthy Yeah I'm high but I'm grounded I'm sane but I'm overwhelmed I'm lost but I'm hopeful Baby What it all comes down to Is that everything's gonna be fine, fine, fine Cause I've got I'm sad, but I'm laughing. 
My pocket from musical of the week, Jagged Little Pill. Yes. You're with Mel and Mike backstage on Hamilton's Free FM. And I'm so enthralled by the, everything you've told me about Jagged Little Pill. I'm going to search it out a bit more now. Um, I'd like the concept of it for the stage show. And I, I knew of it, but I hadn't actually gone near it before. So I I'm think really, you like I'm it. I'm really enthused now. Mm. All right. Puffs or seven increasingly eventful years at a certain school of magic at Magic is a 2015 original play by New York-based playwright Matt Cox. The play is a comedic retelling of the Harry Potter book series by J.K. Rowling, but from the perspective of the Hufflepuffs instead of the main protagonists. For seven years, a certain boy wizard went to a certain wizard school and conquered evil. But this, however, is not his story. This is the story of the Puffs who just happened to be there too, but sort of filling in the background. <laughs> it's a tale for anyone who's never been destined to save the world. Puffs is on stage at 16th Avenue Theatre in Tauranga. Right now, I think they're still getting some uh, some performances on the stage this week. They were interrupted by COVID, not in the cast, but in the the, uh, the backstage crew uh. last week. They had to cancel uh, about half of their season last week, but they're back up again this week. Hopefully they'll get to finish their season by the end of the, this week. I'm definitely into the idea of it. Mm. So you can book your tickets and fill your calendars. Here is our non-exhaustive list of what's coming up around the place soonish. Big breath in. <gasps> At the Meteor, That Bloody Woman, directed by Courtney Mayle and Kyle Chuan for Bold Theatre. Opening date, August 26th, running to September the 3rd. At Riverley Theatre, Geezers, directed by Mike Williams for Hamilton Playbox, August 20th until September the 3rd. Oh, it's a bit of a Mike show, actually. Saturday Night Fever, also directed by Mike Williams, on stage in November with tickets on sale right now. Clarence Street Theatre has Shrek the Musical, directed by Nick Wilkinson. That name's familiar. <laughs> on stage now till July the 23rd, and Krishnan's Dairy is coming up, presented by Indian Inc., September the 8th to the 10th. At Navarra Lounge, downstairs there, open mic night tonight. And every Wednesday, doors open at 6pm and bookings to perform are essential. Local Artists Live is tomorrow night, Daz and Willie Chivers, Thursday at 8pm. And on Friday, Reb Fountain's Iris Tour, like I said, this Friday at 7.30pm. To Taoa Mutu and the Woolshed Theatre at the Farndale Avenue Housing Estates Towns Women's Guild Dramatic Society's production of Macbeth, presented by Talos, is coming up in September. I'm going to go and see that. I never get sick of hearing that title. <laughs> Tearoha Little Theatre have Death and Taxes on its way by April Phillips. That opens tomorrow, actually. Gaslight Theatre in Cambridge, The Things I Know to Be True, speaking about stuff that for some people may be a bit challenging, mm. by Andrew Bovell, directed by Chrissy Hodkinson, opens August the 6th, running to the 20th. Matamata Dramatic Society is hosting The Golden Ass, starring Michael Hurst, appearing for one night only, July 23rd. 
Butaruru Theatre Players Neck Deep in Rehearsals for the Mousetrap by Agatha Christie. That opens in September. Rotorua Musical Theatre have just opened Streaking Through the 70s, directed by Shona Clout. It's on stage right now until July the 30th. Onofero Society of Performing Arts uh, also hosting the Golden Ass with Michael Hurst. Their night is July the 30th. Over in Tauranga at the 16th Ave Theatre, like we've just talked about, Puffs, directed by Laura Mansell, on stage right now and running until July the 23rd. At the Detour Theatre, also in Tauranga, they are also rehearsing for The Mousetrap by Agatha Christie. That also comes up in September. And Tauranga Musical Theatre are still in rehearsal for We Will Rock You, which is getting closer, opening in September. Auckland Theatre Company, Long Day's Journey in Tonight by Eugene O'Neill, directed by Shane Bosher. It's on now at Q Theatre and closes July the 30th. And Dawn Raids by Oscar Kitely opens August 16th, running to September 3rd. Then at Auckland Live, James Brodie, the Becoming Brodie Tour, is on the 9th and 10th of September. And Come From Away has just rescheduled for August of 2023. Yes! Yeah, I know. So watch the space or get your early bird tickets right now. Oh, gosh, get into it. It's such a good show. Mm. Upcoming auditions and opportunities. Melanie Allison is a Waikato-born and bred playwright. She's been shortlisted twice by Play Market and is holding auditions for her latest play, Nowhere Baby, on Saturday the 23rd. Uh, there may still be time to get in for a spot with her if you wish. Email alisonmelanie55, there's two L's in Alison, alisonmelanie55 at gmail.com for more information. We've said it once, we'll say it a few more times, the Miss Cadaver Undead Beauty Pageant is still taking entries for the final ever Miss Cadaver contest. Entries close on August the 1st and you can email sandrajensen99 at yahoo.com for more info. Sprouting Rice Productions have announced auditions for Greece. It's going to be directed by Carl Chewin at Clarence Street Theatre. Their audition day is Saturday, August the 6th, and they have an auditions page on Facebook if you want to search it out. Don't forget, if there's a show or audition opportunity or something coming up that you want us to spread the word about, email us on backstagepodcastnz at gmail.com, or we go to a few things, or you can catch us at Rivoli, or we're around a lot all the time everywhere. Yeah, try so to let us know. see everything we can, which has always been our advice to you as well. But go also, and see, go and see whatever you can. See because, whatever you can, but don't stress yourself out trying to see everything. Yeah, if you can't see everything, that's perfectly human. It is. We know that you can only afford to go and do so much. But that's right. Yeah, go and support your local artists. Thank you to Free FM as always for hosting us here, and thanks to Creative Waikato for sponsoring us. If you want to, you can catch up on Backstage at accessmedia.nz, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and many, many others. Also, check out our Facebook page and Instagram for Backstage updates. I am trying to get better or a bit more consistent at sharing. (laughs) So you're seeing all sorts of random stuff coming out from us. You have to understand we fit this kind of stuff into a a normally busy lives anyway so sometimes uh, yeah, it takes us a wee while to get on top of it but if you want we're to check human. the backlog all of the links and stuff are all on Facebook or on yeah. all those places Mike listed Mike and I will be back next week with another musical of the week yes promise absolutely promise we're going out today with ironic from musical of the week Jack a little pill because how can you not I'm going to tell you I've been Mike she's been Mel you've just been backstage stay classy then nerds see you He won the lottery and 
died the next day. It's a black fly in your Chardonnay. It's a death row pardon. Two minutes too late. And isn't it ironic? Don't you think? Hold up. Wait a second. That's actually not ironic. Right? If we're using irony as defined in Greek tragedy, I don't see how, like, a fly in your beverage applies. That's not irony. That's just, like, shitty. Can I please finish my piece? Mr. Play It Safe was afraid to fly. He packed his suitcase and kissed his kids goodbye. He waited his whole damn life to take that flight. And as the plane crashed down, he thought, well, isn't this nice? And isn't it ironic? It's not, though. It would be irony if the guy in the crash was, like, an airplane mechanic. How about you guys let her finish? It's like rain on your wedding day. It's a free ride when you've already paid. It's the good advice that you just didn't take. And who would have thought it figures? Well, life is a funny way of sneaking up on you when you think everything's okay and everything's going right and life is a funny way of helping you out when you think everything's gone wrong and everything blows up in your face a traffic jam when you're already late And there I go jumping 
Did you think about your bills, your pills, your deadlines? Or when you think you're gonna die?
For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.